THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 550 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast and the return of Halloween Metal Show! Nerds, my name is Matt Bob. <laughs> and I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. In this week's blood-curdling episode, we put our review spotlight on Joe Hill's return to monthly comics with Basketful of Heads. And another addition to the Docs line, Excalibur, number one. I wish it was basket fulla, F-U-L-L-A. Basket fulla full, heads. Basket full is one word. <laughs> After that, we'll review eight more of this Wednesday, October 30th, terrifying new comics while sipping on the cocktail of the week during the ludicrous speed round. Then it's up to the teaching Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll be wrapping about our must-read picks for next week. And finally... Friend of the show and award-winning author Rainbow Rowell has a new graphic novel, and I bet she can't be happier that it's getting reviewed on a show <laughs> packed with nightmarish extreme metal. It's Take a Look. It's in a book, the Pumpkin Heads edition, and it's all happening on the THN Halloween Metal Show. But first, we better talk about this week's super scary nerd news. <laughs> From the CW desk, Warner Brothers Television is developing an Arrowverse spinoff show centered on Tyler Hochlin's Hochlin? Hochlin's Hochlin. Let's go with Hochlin. Superman and Elizabeth Talak's Lois Lane. I, neither one of those is pronounced correctly. No way. Uh, this is for the CW, of course. This comes from TV Line. This is scary news. This is very scary news. Yeah, spooky scary. Ooh. Titled Superman and Lois, the show would follow, quote, the world's most famous superhero and comic book's most famous journalist, as they deal with all the stress, pressures, and complexities that come with being working parents in today's society. So they've got the kid. They've got John? Uh, well, I'll get that. I'll okay. get to that. All right. Uh, right. Hoechlin debuted in a 2016 episode of Supergirl with Tulak following in 2018. Both have uh, come back to reprise their roles on several occasions, including the upcoming Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, which I am so excited for I know, you I guys. know, I know, I know. Uh, when last seen, the newly engaged couple had moved to Argo City after learning she was a prego. Woohoo! Let's wrap about this before we go on to the next stuff. Do you care? Do you yes, care? Yes, I absolutely care. Do you think it's... I think it's, okay, about time that they just said, all right, look, Superman and Batman are going to be here. Just deal with it, okay? I think it's a matter of time before they bring Batman in. We have a separate TV Batwoman. universe where, you know, we've got a separate movie universe and a separate, separate movie universe that we might be developing. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like they went full in on the uh, DC multiverse, basically. Yeah, I mean, DC, DC TV is all about bringing in yeah. whoever. And they don't care. There's no, no rules. They're and having they fun do, with it. Generally, they do a that. great job. I don't love all the shows, but... I will give them credit for just not giving a shit and doing it their way and saying, people love yeah. it. We're going to give you what you want. And both of these actors are excellent in their roles. I have as not these seen characters. the appearance. I mean, was that on Legends of the DC? Uh, so the last time they would have showed up was probably last year's crossover, which okay. I think was uh, Elseworlds. Okay. Was it Elseworlds? 
That would make sense. Yeah, it was Elseworlds last year. Um, yeah, because that's why Bat- else we'd have them. Batwoman made their first appearance. Right. Made her first appearance. Um, yeah, they're excellent. They're very, very good. And uh, it's like he's very, he's like the anti-Zack Snyder Superman. He's totally. very Christopher Reeve. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love which it. Is, I, I, will, I would much rather watch that, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Do you think they introduced Batman in this show? I don't know. I, it makes sense. It makes more sense to me for him to show up in Batwoman because that's all about like why he's missing. I suppose. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, this is going to be a show run by former Flash showrunner Todd Helbing. Uh, and he's writing the pilot as well. OK. Uh, DC also announced this is kind of late breaking news. A half hour comedy based on DC characters produced by actress and writer Elizabeth Banks. A Green Lantern-inspired show, that's in air quotes, and a strange adventure anthology, all for the HBO Max streaming service. Let's back up. What is a Green Lantern-inspired That's all they said about show. it. It's something set in the Green lantern verse. <laughs> okay. Like a Green Lantern core type thing? I don't know. Or? I don't know. They didn't say anything huh. else about it. Uh, the Arrow versus Greg Berlanti is developing Green Lantern and Strange Adventures, which is described as, quote, a DC superhero anthology that will feature characters from across the DC canon. The one hour drama will explore close ended stories about the intersecting lives of ordinary humans and superhumans. So Black Mirror for DC. I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, there was also some mention of Adam Strange, which they deleted. Yeah, I did see that. And then all of a sudden it wasn't there. Yeah, I think they were confused. They maybe had their wires crossed a little bit. but uh, Or they didn't want to give that away. Or, or yet, he's going to be the focus of one of the episodes. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's interesting that they're developing these for HBO. HBO Max. Well, this is their uh, how they're going to do battle with Disney Plus. Warner. Uh, yeah. Marvel so TV, HBO you know? Max is Warner Brothers. Right. Hat in the ring in the streaming ring. Right. This is um, how they fight the Marvel shows and Disney Plus. They're also putting Doom Patrol season two on HBO Max. Yeah. It'll be on both. It'll be on the DC app as well. Which I get it. And, and again, we we've talked about multiple DC universes and whatnot. If they want to do these shows, it sounds like they're going to be adult driven. You can't do them on the CW, more or less. Yeah. Right. Well. I mean, doing them on the DC app is what I was talking about. Like right. Doom Patrol and Titans. Like those shows have adult content. But um, DC, <laughs> DC Universe very quickly put out a statement that was like, everything's fine. We're not going away. I promise. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. Because um, there's also new stuff coming to DC Universe, like that Bizarro TV show. Right. Um, but you know, they were like, Warner Brothers and HBO Max was like, uh-huh. Real cute, DC. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> we'll be over here making real money. Thanks. I think we've talked about this before. Like, you're going to get way more eyes on... Yeah. On the shows on HBO. Without a doubt. On HBO Max. Without a doubt. And they've already got Watchmen to lead it off. So Watchmen. why not go for them? So Did you watch the second so episode? So good. Oh, my God. Uh, yes. Um, so this is a lot of big DC TV news. Yeah. On I mean, a span of a couple days. If they want to compete with Marvel and what they've had, like, here's what scares me a little bit. The same way that DC freaked out and decided, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. We got to catch up with Marvel movies. They could be doing that with DC TV. And I hope we're not rushing anything, but they actually pump the brakes a little bit and take the time to develop a good show. Now, I don't think HBO is going to let them get away with crap. No. At all. And other than the already. HBO just canceled the Game of Thrones uh, prequel thing that they were working on with Naomi Watts. Mm -hmm. Because they were like, this is garbage. No, get it out of here. Is that what they said? They didn't like it. Was that the official press (laughs) statement? Go fuck yourselves. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
Uh, other than the already established Arrow universe, like, right. these don't sound like they're trying to force some kind of connection. They all sound very different. No, I mean, and like, they also sound like they all take place in space, maybe. So. Yeah, we'll we, see. We shall see. From the Game of Thrones alumni desk, writer, directors, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. They both uh, work for Game of Thrones. You, know? you may have heard of it. They have dropped out of their planned Star Wars film trilogy as first reported by Deadline. Here was their quote. We love Star Wars, the duo said in a statement to the online Hollywood trade. When George Lucas built it, he built us too. Yada, yada, yada. What it comes down to, they've decided they're going to focus on their Netflix deal because, yeah. you know, there's not enough time in the day. Right, yeah. <laughs> Shucky darn. <laughs> you, got, you got asked to direct a trilogy in one of the most Famous film properties of all time. You're like, I'm too busy. So, uh, first of all, first things first. You took a shit on the final season of Game of Thrones (laughs) because of Star Wars. Because we had to go get Star Wars done, so we kind of had to wrench this one a little bit. Eh, Whatever, we're done. And now you're not doing Star Wars? I have a conspiracy theory. And my conspiracy theory is they had an idea of what they wanted to do. The studio did not like it. And they went, okay, will you allow us to exit gracefully and make it the announcement on our terms rather than saying we were removed from the project? They were asked to tender their resignation. Because I find it very, very hard to believe that these two guys turned down a fucking Star Wars gig. The, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's money in Netflix, and they're going to make plenty of money there. I mean, But it is very hard to believe that they're like, ah, we're just not into it, you know? See ya. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't, this is always where your brain goes every time anybody quits anything. It's like, oh, they hated them. That's not true. Yes. It was with the Jeff Loeb thing, because I find it hard to believe that Jeff Loeb quits his job without having another one lined up. Would you quit your job without having another one lined up? He's old and rich. (laughs) The point being, this just seems bizarre. Totally bizarre. Nah, I totally buy it. They've done interviews since Game of Thrones, and... Uh, and basically, it's come out that they just kind of half-assed yeah. the whole show. Yeah. And that it was on the strength of the actors yes. and sheer dumb luck. And writers. That Game that of Thrones was any good at all. And I have a feeling maybe they got in there and started working and Disney had looked at it and went, you're not doing that here. We're not. That's not going to work here. I'm not buying into we expect, theories. We expect you know, this and that. We expect this to be done. And they went, you know what? We got a Netflix deal that we we really should be paying attention to. I like guys. This has been fun, <laughs> but that's still them quitting. Yeah, I mean that's still them quitting. Like they may so they may they, not have maybe wanted- they didn't get fired. Like I like my conspiracy theory I have, but I have a feeling Disney went. Uh, uh-uh, that's not what we're doing here. That's not how it's going to work. We expect dailies. We expect news. We expect you to report to these people and tell us what's going on. This is fucking Star Wars, okay? Well, this is not Little League. You are playing Major League Baseball now, okay? And you need to pay attention because you're not playing for the Padres. You are playing for the Houston Astros, who are in the World Series, okay? <laughs> uh, well, here's the thing, though. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy put out a statement, and I know that you'll have an explanation for this, too, but she basically said that they want to include them in Star Wars when they have the time. Mm-hmm. We'll so, see. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. Like, based off of what I've read about the things they said. It sounds like these guys are kind of assholes. Yeah, I'm like, I'm see ya. Yeah. Don't care. It sounds like they barely cared about the project. And I say this as somebody that liked Game of Thrones. They didn't give a shit about the fans. Yeah. 
I mean, and I'm sorry, but there's no excuse for how that last season ended. Like, was it was it absolute terrible failure? No. Was it lazy as hell? Without a doubt. Yeah. It was just lazy. And don't bring that shit into my Star Wars, man. From the Krakoa desk, two new Dawn of X titles were announced at London's MCM Comic-Con late last week. First up, the X-Men's Dawn of X status quo is reaching out into the broader Marvel Universe, beginning with the Fantastic Four. As teased in Hawks number one, the four-issue X-Men Fantastic Four series will explore how the broader Marvel U takes to this revitalized and reorganized mutant kind, specifically dealing with Franklin Richards. He, he a mutant. He a mutie. <laughs> uh, considered one of the most powerful mutants of all time. Uh, Marvel 2-in-1's Chip Zdarsky returns to the Richards family, joined by longtime ex-artists Terry it, and Rachel Dodson. Is it weird that they credit him as Marvel 2-in-1's Chip Zdarsky? <laughs> I mean, that's where he wrote the Fantastic Four characters. Okay, okay. All right, fair. Uh, and Zdarsky describes it as having both quiet family moments and giant explosive moments. This is going to lead to Fantastic Four versus the X-Men. Mm. You know they want to. I mean, They've I think done that, it before. I think this is basically Fantastic Four versus the X-Men already. Yeah, I'm kind of, I guess it sounds like. Uh, yeah, great. Sounds good. Sounds fun. That scene, that scene with Franklin in Hawks 1 it was, was great. so good. It was totally great. It was great. Just like, oh man, I need and more of that. And you cannot do what the X-Men are doing on this scale. And I mean, it's very early, obviously, in the storyline. But you cannot do it without the rest of the Marvel you noticing and going, yeah, for sure. We should talk. <laughs> like, yeah, this, yeah. This seems pretty big. And in I scope, think you know? know, and I think that there were they maybe were just waiting. Yeah, let's get at least all the first wave of books right out the door and going, and, and then, get the status quo established. Yeah, yeah. This is how things are. But this is a great team. Looking forward to it. Kick ass. Also announced, Jonathan Hickman will bring back the giant size X Men title. This time as an ongoing series. Uh, it might be ongoing, might be limited, I don't know. Uh, with each installment focusing on different characters and created alongside a different artist. I think it's quarterly or something like that. Like, and we're not getting it monthly, but it'll happen like four times a year. I something. don't think they said. Oh. They didn't say anything. Okay, about that's a rumor. The, the frequency. Kicking off the newly revamped Giant Size X Men is a story titled Jean Grey and Emma Frost. Very creative. Hmm. Which will explore the complicated relationship between Jean and Emma as they team up to rescue Storm. Here's a question Scott's still doing it with Emma? I think Scott's doing it with lots of people. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> uh, Russell Dodderman will draw Giant Size X-Men number one with longtime colorist Matthew Wilson. That's that good totally news. Totally awesome. Uh, both of these titles are scheduled for February. Uh, I'm liking this. Yeah. I like this. Uh, Very cool. Solo or smaller cast focused. Yes. Uh, how everybody's can, taking to the new status we quo. We can do the team books in the team books and run around big do, do big team stuff. And we can have this other book where we can examine characters that we love and storylines, very personal characters, storylines that... I would like to see tied up, and I would like to know what's happening, because you can't just be like, hey, everyone's happy, we're on a team, yay, we live in an island, we travel through doors, ah! what about all the other shit? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. There, there's still a lot of soap opera crap that we need to figure out. Yeah, and right now we're not really seeing much no. of it. I mean, we're only three titles deep, but... But still, yeah. it's so big in scope that I'm glad they are also paring things down. So Because our favorite stuff about the X-Men is the personal stuff. The character moments, yeah. Yeah, yes, I exactly. mean, that is the best stuff. Totally agreed. Oh, something to note, uh, on the cover, Jean is not wearing her Marvel Girl outfit that she's been wearing. It's more like a green and yellow Marvel Girl colored version of her X-Men red suit, hmm. like the more superhero-y looking one. Well, this is February. 
A lot can happen before then. Yeah, for sure. Is it the same gene? <laughs> what if it's not the same gene? Hey I don't know. I don't know. That is your nerd news for the week, but I'm sure we missed plenty of other stories while touching up our corpse paint and cutting our favorite band names into our forearms. So hit us up on the THN Forum's big news section, or better yet, you can tune in to Cover to Cover live every Saturday, but we broadcast on our Facebook page from 11 to noon Central Standard Time. It's more fun than eating razor blade filled Halloween candy, and you control the content. This week, we're talking about your favorite finales. Speaking, we were just talking about the Game of Thrones finale. Yeah. Kind of sucked, so it wouldn't be on my list. But we want to hear about your favorite finale. TV, comics, video games, whatever. Book series. Books that don't have no pictures in them, even. Let's hear about it. So, call us at 402-819-4894. Or, click the Call Now button on our Facebook page. Or, go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and you'll find the phone number there, too. Stop saying, no, you say the phone number too fast. It's all over the place, you guys, okay? Who's ever said that to you? Dumb people. If you can't be there live, you can leave us a message anytime. Or, you can send us an MP3 to TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com. It's spotlight review time in the cigarette where this week Matt is talking about a comic about decapitation. And I'm celebrating the return of the jolly old Briadic family. Matt, let's get the gory stuff out of the way first. Mm, sort of gory stuff. Yeah. This week I'm reviewing Basket Full of Heads from DC, Black Label, Hill House, and maybe somebody else too. It's written by Joe Hill with art by Leo Max. This is the first of Joe Hill's Hill House horror imprint, and like any good horror comic, it starts off creepy and then tries to lull the reader into a false sense of security with some pretty amazing art and some really good characters. At first, I was a little confused because there was some dialogue that had me wondering when exactly the story took place. There was some weird old timey dialogue like, this is my best girl and I want you to string them up by their Buster Browns, mixed with some modern meme culture quotes like, I'm living my best life. It wasn't cringeworthy, but it was a little odd. <laughs> uh, the very first page very clearly states that it's 1983. <laughs> like, so, great job. I get that, but the dialogue, the way that they wrote some sort of modern dialogue in there. I, I agree. Uh, living my bit. best life took me out of it for a yeah, second. Yeah, big like, time. That's, no. Leo Max is outstanding. He has a Silver Age horror style that reminds me of Francesco Francavilla's work. The art and coloring gives this book a classic DC horror feel that really works for the story. There was one weird panel where a woman is talking on the phone and she takes the phone away from her ear to speak yeah. with someone else and he drew her with two heads essentially. That's a very it's old a, that's a very old yeah. timey comic trick to show motion. It, it pissed me off at first. And yeah. then I went back and I looked at some yeah, of the they old did that DC shit a lot. They did it all the time. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually kind of throwback and now I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Hill does an excellent job capturing the feel of classic 80s horror films by taking his time to introduce us to some very likable characters that no doubt will have some terrible things happening to them and soon. It makes the reader care about the young deputy and his girlfriend who will soon be wielding an ancient Viking axe that cuts off heads with one swing and magically allows the heads to keep talking. So there's yeah. that. We don't get any of that in the first issue. 
But Hill does a wonderful job slowly building the tension as a small tourist town is dealing with a breakout from the local penitentiary, which just so happens to be Shawshank. Must be nice to have Stephen King for a dad. I if that's a real prison. It is not. Oh. It is a Stephen King fictional prison. Well, I mean, I, I, I this, obviously know what the Shawshank is. But. <laughs> you know the Green Mile wasn't a true story, right? Yeah, Matt. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> Maine is a real state. I mean, it's not out of line I to think that, that it might be a, an actual institution. I get it. The story begins with a brief glance of what the main character will be when the real horror kicks in. But I like the pacing here. It reminded me of the first 30 minutes of Jaws, where we got to know Roy Scheider and Amityville before the shark started eating the inhabitants. Basketful of Heads has a ridiculous premise that can only work in the pages of a comic styled after the DC horror comics Hill read as a teen. I cannot wait to see where it goes from here. I'm giving this a buy it. Yeah, it was real good. Uh, it, it does move slow. It does. Uh, deliberate. Not boring. Not slow. I would say it it is deliberately paced. Yeah, it's deliberate. Yeah. Um, I read a retailer preview copy uh, that also included a black and white uh Issue two. No oh, neat. And uh, yeah, you're looking for the gore. It's the shit numbers. hits the fan pretty fast. <laughs> the shit hits the fan in issue number two. But I gotta say, it was refreshing to read a modern horror comic that was paced like this because anymore yeah. it's just like page one, the butt explodes. Like, ah, yeah. Gross! It wasn't like, know, like Avatar oh, Extreme. Baby ate the butt. Ah, you know, like, <laughs> why is all your horror butt based? Everything in my life is butt-based. Butt-based horror. It's been a lot of butt talk today. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm giving it a buy it as well. The art is incredible. Incredible. Um, there were panels where it reminded me of P. Craig Russell with the very thin. Yeah. Uh, the very thin. I can inky. see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well done. Well done. Joe Patrick. Time to talk about what happens when the X-Men start speaking British. All right. Tell us about Excalibur. <laughs> Excalibur number one from Marvel Comics, written by Tiny Howard, with art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arseniega. Props to you for trying to say that. That yeah. was good. It's 40 pages for $4.99, and here is your solicit. A new dawn is forged! The other world is rocked by war. It's a new era for mutant kind as a new Captain Britain holds the amulet, fighting for the kingdom of Avalon with her Excalibur at her side. Rogue, Gambit, Richter, who is not in this issue. No. Jubilee, dot, 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 and Apocalypse. Were Rogue and Gambit in this issue? Yes. Okay, I don't remember him. Yes. Uh, something happens to Rogue. It's a pretty major plot point in the issue. You're oh, going, okay. Your reading yeah. comprehension is off the charts this week. Sorry, I read six comics today and reviewed them, all right? <laughs> a Krakoan gate has appeared in Otherworld, and Morgan Le Fay is pissed. Meanwhile, Apocalypse, who has set himself up as the steward of, quote, mutant magic, and wants everyone to refer to him by an unpronounceable symbol. Yeah, every time he says it, I picture, <laughs> He discovers that the gate was opened from the other side, and something is keeping the mutants from going through. I also like whenever he tells people to call him that, they'll go, yeah, you want me to pronounce that? <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. right. <laughs> Luckily, the Braddock family is on the case. Howard spends half the issue team building, and there are some pretty dubious reasons for some of them to be there. Yeah. Jubilee is there because she just happened to be the last one to talk to Betsy on the island. <laughs> Apocalypse needs Rogue's help, and Gambit just tags along because, yeah, you, you know, know, they're married. It's his best girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah man, he really wanted to string uh, Apocalypse up by his buster browns. <laughs> 
still, Howard's dialogue is strong and she does a good job juggling the character's distinctive voices. There are some clever moments, too, like Gold Balls wanting everybody to call him Egg. And Betch is like, uh huh. That's a way better <laughs> name than Gold Balls. It's not, no. Egg. Hi, I'm Egg. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the resurrection of Brian and Betsy's lecherous brother, Jamie. I love him. Technically, they should call him Chicken because he's laying eggs. <laughs> Like the gold balls come out of his butt, right? <laughs> he lays a gold ball butt egg like a big chicken. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> I've loved Captain Britain ever since I read a reprint of his origin in the back of an issue of Marvel Team Up when I was little. So I was pumped when they announced that Cap would lead a revived Excalibur series for Dawn of X. Brian Braddock isn't wearing the helmet this time, though. His sister, Betsy, formerly Psylocke, is the new champion of Otherworld. I'm going to avoid major spoilers, but I liked how Howard maneuvered Betsy into her new role. Yeah. And Brian is front and center in this book. I didn't think I was going to like it at all. I was ready to be very pissed off. Well, and it's uh, it's also not like she has it. She's kept the Britain yeah, now. It wasn't like forced. It didn't just happen. Yeah, There's a reason like, it happens. Oh, no, not you, Brian. You, Betsy. Like, yeah, exactly. Me? Right. <laughs> Marcus Toe's art is as incredible as always. There's a nice softness uh, to his characters, but there's also a dark edge to the work when it's called for. Uh, Eric Arseniega's color art is a nice compliment to Toe's line work. He adds a lot of vibrant purples and blues and greens. It's very bright. I'm not sure what will make this team stick together in future issues, but I like the direction Howard is going in so far. The X-Men have always had a link to the world of magic and Excalibur. It seems like the perfect title to reestablish that connection. I'm giving it a buy it. I was hesitant here because Brian Braddock and Betsy Braddock are two of my favorite characters. I adore them. And I feel like they have been <laughs> drugged through the mud for so long and so screwed up. Just let them be who they are, please. Yeah. You yeah. know, I don't need a ninja. I don't need Britannic. I don't need any of this garbage. Oh, Britannic. <laughs> and when I heard that Betsy was going to be the new Captain Britain, I was not happy. Teeny Howard did a very nice job. Yeah. Selling me on this. And I also really like the way he wrote Betsy. She's normally like, she's either written as badass ninja killer or sweet British goody two shoes. And here she wrote her like, no, Betsy's kind of a bitch when she wants to be. And especially well, yeah. when you start resurrecting her crazy brother that has caused a lot of problems. Yeah. And maybe should not have been resurrected at all. <laughs> That's their whole MO, though. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. Bring all the mutants back. But I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. I also didn't think it was going to make any sense that Apocalypse would be dealing with magic, but Apocalypse was right there front and center with all that like magic Egypt shit back yeah, in the I day. Yeah, I think, I think if we look back, we'd yeah. see a so bigger it, connection to it makes magic sense. with him. And he's always sort of tied himself to, you know, magic items and whatnot to make himself stronger. So I don't mind it. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. It's a creative twist on the X books within this new super creative twist that they put on the X-Men. Yeah. And so far, issue one gets a buy it. Uh, this is neither here nor there, but this was pointed out on Bleeding Cold today, and I can't believe I never noticed it. Uh, so we had X-Men, Marauders, Excalibur, and next week is New Mutants. Right. That spelled the first letters of each of those titles spells out X-Men. What? Are you serious? X-Men, Marauders, what? Excalibur, 
New Mutants. It spells out X-Men. God damn so it. So now I need to look at the rest of the list and see if it spells anything else. You have got to be freaking kidding me, Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> you are a I mean, goddamn crazy person. And that person. doesn't, like, that it, literally meaningless, but still pretty fun. Hickman thought that shit out. Yeah, yeah, he pretty fun. out of his mind. <laughs> we might have to stop him. <laughs> <laughs> Double buy it for both Basketful of Heads number one and Excalibur number one. We'll post our written reviews over at twoheadednerd.com so headhunters on the net can DDoS our site in protest. It's a technical term. Yeah. Look it up. But we need to know what you nerds thought of these comics too, so call this weekend on THN cover to cover at its new time, 11 a.m. to noon central. Daylight time. Oh, no. Daylight time starts on Sunday. What? Daylight savings time starts on Sunday. It does? Yeah. Do we spring forward or fall back? I can't remember. What season is it? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> and before we get into this week's reviews, Joey, let's introduce the cocktail of the week. This week, we're sipping on a take of the classic Smash, which is generally when you take fruit and smash it with alcohol and lemon juice. Delicious, right? Yeah, you smush it. We're calling this one the Carniceria Absoluta, which is Spanish for absolute carnage. Here's your recipe. So stupid. In a cocktail shaker with ice, pour two ounces of Reposado tequila, one teaspoon of honey or agave Is that syrup. a brand of tequila or like a type of It's a type of liquor. tequila. Silver tequila is typically aged a year. Hmm. Reposado around two years usually, and then more than that, you get Añejo, and that's when it gets nice and dark in color. Mm. So the darker it gets, the little sweetness it gets to it. Mm. One teaspoon of honey or agave syrup, we are using Valor Hemp Agave Nectar, which came from a guy that I interviewed for the Mystery of Hemp podcast. It is CBD-infused and is delicioso. Juice from one half of a lemon, two dashes of Angostura bitters, and then one half cup well, I made two, so we used a whole one. But one of those little single-serve Jello cups. A snack pack. Something red. Cherry, raspberry, strawberry. It's got to be red. Watermelon. That's your guts. Shake well in, and pour into your rocks glass with ice and garnish with a Prodigy Toys mini Spider-Man carnage action figure complete with movable hands and enjoy. Excelsior. Excelsior. You can't see this, but... It's gritty. It's weird. There's it's, gore floating in it's it. It's kind of distressing. Ah! <laughs> but it is muy delicioso. That is potent. El carnicia absoluta, ladies and gentlemen. I now! Feel, I can feel my liver getting carnage. With drink in hand, join us as we review eight more of this Wednesday, October 30th's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! The Last God, number one from DC Black Label. Everyone universally loved Game of Thrones and the way the series ended, but let's face it, GOT comics aren't very good. The comics just didn't translate well, and now I know why. They didn't have this creative team. Philip Kennedy Johnson, who wrote Warlords of Appalachia and Last Sons of America, has created an amazingly fleshed out fantasy world complete with original songs. <laughs> the story is violent, mean, and beautifully gory thanks to the incredible art of Ricardo Federici. This was an amazing first issue, and I just hope The Last God doesn't get lost on the stands while readers are still trying to figure out what Black Label even is. I'm giving it a buy it. History, history making 
first Black Label book we've given a buy it to. Yeah, I think it's the very first one. Yeah. Nothing to do with DC superheroes, by the way. No. <laughs> Fantastic Four, Grand Design, number one from Marvel. I was really excited for Tom Stioli's take on the Grand Design concept, but honestly, I thought this was kind of a mixed bag. Don't get me wrong, I love his Kirby-infused fan art style. Everything looks like it was colored in with magic marker. And the amount of content he packs into each page is really impressive. But Ed Pisker's X-Men Grand Design actually told the story. Right. It was super condensed, but it was actually a story. This was just a collection of disconnected moments with no narrative to link them at all. Oh, really? So it felt really disjointed. That's too bad. I mean... It's a tremendous piece of work. It's a joy to look at. It was kind of a mess to read. Really? I'm giving it a strong skimmit. That's super. Yeah, it's just like, and this happened, and then this happened, I mean, and not, then this happened. Not everybody can do what Ed Pisker does. And, yeah. like, collecting... He's also had, like, four books that are written like that to practice sure. doing this. Yeah. So I can't blame the guy. It's got to be a tough job. Yeah. Red Goblin, Red Death, number one from Marvel. If you're looking for three mean-spirited stories of Norman Osborn as a red venom goblin killing folks because the Carnage symbiote is crazy, look no further. The first two stories are just that. Norman talking to the Carnage symbiote and killing people for funsies. And then we get a story about a kid he infects with the symbiote. Nothing really happens outside of that. All so I mean, that seems like a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, but that was it. It's just two stories of him killing people, and then one story about a kid that gets infected. Hmm. Why we needed a Halloween-themed Red Goblin one-shot that doesn't push the Absolute Carnage story along at all is beyond me. I'm giving it a leave it. Uh, yeah, it really threw me for a loop there <laughs> by having the Kaiju Max thing in there. <laughs> Giant Days, as time goes by, one-shot from Boom. The Giant Days finale is here, and best friends Esther, Daisy, and Susan struggle to stay connected a year after graduating from university. I only ju- That's British for college. I was going to say, yeah. what, what the hell is university? Yeah. <laughs> I, only- I don't speak British, okay? <laughs> uh, I only just recently discovered Giant Days, and I'm so sad it's over. Writer John Allison delivers a heartwarming and relatable story with instantly likable characters. Max Saren's cartooning is wonderfully charming. As Time Goes By is a great send-off for the series with an unexpected supernatural twist. Hey-o. I've read, I've been reading Giant Days for about a year. No hint that there was anything weird going on. And then suddenly <laughs> there's like ghosts. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm giving it a buy it. I love it. All right, all right. Vampire State Building number two from Ablaze. Ablaze was kind enough to send us the first two issues of this new horror series, and it hits the ground running real fast. Vampires are taking over the Empire State Building, and they are rounding up all the people inside for a giant bloody buffet. Oh, by the way, they're bringing back a big bad who's going to be like the uh, head vampire, right? This story had all the fun of classic disaster movies like Towering Inferno mixed with shrieking monstrous vampires the style in the style of 30 days of night charlie adlard is great on art Ah, that's right it was a solid read with a great premise and a title you cannot resist best title of the week give me yeah, a break that's real, <laughs> vampire real, state building real solid that rules i'm <laughs> giving it a buy it hellboy in the bprd long night at golusky station it's a one shot and it's from dark horse hellboy has to wait for a train at a tiny station somewhere in russia Luckily, a grizzled old monster hunter is there to lend a hand when a warlock and a pack of demons come for him. This is just a fun little one-off story tucked somewhere in Hellboy's history. Matt Smith does a great job aping Mignola's style while still letting his own shine through. I would be happy if Hellboy was just short stories like this forever. I don't need 
I think it is now. They blew up the BPRD Great. universe. So I'm totally fine with it. I love getting. this. I love it. Long night at Golaski Station gets a buy it. Sandman Universe presents Hellblazer number one from DC. Actually, it was, it was a black, Sandman also Universe black label. special Hellblazer. I think it's an ongoing though. It, there's one coming. This is like the introduction. Oh, they did that for all the. To the they ongoing. did that for all the Sandman. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cy Spurrier ports John Constantine into the Sandmaniverse, and wow, is this story weird. <laughs> We begin at the end of some kind of future magic war that is ending very badly. Constantine makes a deal with his future self and wakes up in an insane asylum in 2019 London. Marcio Takara's art is insane, like J.H. Williams on meth insane, Ooh. with massive panels full of pure demonic madness. This was an excellent reintroduction for my favorite foul-mouthed magician, and just when I thought Spurrier was going full superhero with the character, he yanks the entire story right out from under you. Welcome back, John. I'm giving this a buy it. It was great. Joker, killer smile, number one, from DC Black Label. Dr. Ben Arnall has a pretty great life, a loving wife and son, and a promising career as a psychotherapist. He also thinks he's going to be the one to finally find out what makes the Joker tick. That never goes well. No. Uh, but when signs that the Joker has been in his house, in his little boy's room, Ooh. despite being safely locked up in Arkham, Ben starts to slowly unravel. Lemire's script is creepy as hell, and the art by Andrea Sorrentino and Jordi Belair is disturbing and breathtaking. It's quite the creative team. Though. Yes, wow. it's the uh, uh, Green Arrow? Yeah, the old Green Arrow. Yeah. Uh, this is the first Black Label book that I really loved. Uh, Joker Killer Smile number one gets a huge buy it. No kidding. Black Label put out Joker, Harleen number two, The Last God, Basketful of Heads, Sandman Universe. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, they put out like six books are for that, Black Label are this Sandman week. Sandman Universe are Black Label. They've switched them to Black Label since there's no vertigo. Uh, okay. So that they can say the F word. Splotch! That is your ludicrous speed round, and splotch is the sound of a giant cockroach demon thing pulling itself out of a body. As seen in the pages of Gideon Falls 11, gross. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by Adam Wednesday via Facebook. You're a sicko, Adam. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week or suggest a cocktail recipe, you can post it to any of our social media accounts or send it to twohittednerd at gmail.com. You can also watch these damn ludicrous speed rounds on your YouTubes. It's on our YouTube channel, but it's your YouTube. It's for everybody. They are usually up even before the show to help you, the discerning comic nerd, make an educated new comic book day buying decision. And hey, you want to help stock the ziggurat bar? Click our donate now button and buy us a bottle of booze. Or hey, just buy us a drink, why don't you? We'll even mention you in the cocktail of the week segment. We'll send a cheers out to you. That's right. This week, we visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum for our annual All Hallows Eve Eve seance, where we commune with our favorite comic creators and give them the skinny on how bad their beloved creations have been screwed up by hacky creators. Matt, before we tell Jack Kirby what Chuck Austin did to Angel, why don't we tell these dead fellows about our must-read picks for next week? Sounds good. My pick for next week is Undiscovered Country, number one from Image Comics. It is written by... Charles Soule and Scott Snyder, with art by Giuseppe Comuncoli and Danielle Orlandini. Cover art by Jock. It's 44 pages for $3.99. Every time I think about Jock, I remember that he is uh, 
well into his 40s. And his Twitter handle is Jock420. <laughs> hey, bro. He's a burner. What can he say, right? Series premiere! This November, New York Times bestsellers. Right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Let's just get to the part where we talk about the book. To embark on He's an epic almost adventure. 50, goddammit. He's 40. Seven years old. People get old. Give me a break. Undiscovered <sighs> country. In this special oversized first issue, readers will journey into the near future in an unknown nation that was once the United States of America. A land that's become shrouded in mystery after walling itself off from the rest of the world without explanation over 30 years ago. When a team seeking a cure for a global pandemic breaches U.S. borders, maybe that's why they built the wall? Oh, they quickly find themselves in a struggle to survive this strange and deadly lost continent. Crazy. Yeah. 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 I love this. Yeah. This sounds fun. Super fun. Great team, too. Charles Soule, Scott Snyder. You got Giuseppe Comincoli, who kicks ass. Love him. Uh, Matt Wilson, colorist on Wicked and the Divine, and Paper Girls. Super talented team. This is going to be great. Yeah, looking forward to it. And props to Image Comics for putting out a number one issue that is 44 pages for four bucks. You guys kick ass. Well done. Nice comic booking. Joe Patrick, speaking of comic booking, what is your pick for next week? My pick for next week is Legion of Superheroes number one from DC Comics. Of course it had to be. Written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Ryan Sook. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Welcome to the 31st. Jesus. 31st is Fuzzy. Welcome to the 31st century. Inspired by the acts of and lessons learned from the greatest heroes of all time, the Legion of Superheroes have gathered together to stop a galaxy from repeating its past mistakes. The greatest lineup of heroes in comic book history returns with new, fresh, and reader-friendly stories. Uh, Eisner Award-winning you-know-who and that one guy team up for one of the most ambitious mainstream comic books ever created. <laughs> oh, gee. Wow. Okay, Trump. <laughs> uh, bigly. Bigly. Why have the Legion of Superheroes broken the cardinal rule of the United Planets and inducted John Kent, a.k.a. Superboy, into the Legion? Because he's Superboy. I think maybe it has to do with the time travel. Okay, all right. Uh, what are they hiding, and what does it have to do with Aquaman's long-lost trident? Man, this is going to be... I am not a Legion of Superheroes guy, okay? <laughs> I am fired up for this. <laughs> Brian I'm Michael Bendis excited. writing the Legion is going to be weird as hell and tons of fun. <laughs> yeah, I love the Legion a lot, but something that they didn't really do a ton in the past is... Tie it into other yes. DC stuff. Yes. You get Superman, yeah, and there was a Green Lantern uh, around at at some point, but like they didn't really address much of DC continuity. No, and I think that's why a lot of people lost interest or found it very easy not to pay attention at all. Yeah, like and, that, and that was me. I was like, I don't care. I don't know what's going on there. I'm like, I'm reading Batman. Yeah, it's and whatever. I love the idea that they're tying it closely to like the history of the DC universe. Yeah, that's very cool. The THN trade of the week goes to Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, the trade paperback. From Image Comics, it's written by Jim Rugg and Brian Maruka, with art by Jim Rugg. It's 240 pages for $19.99. What a steal. I'll tell you what. Here's your solicit. 
Jesse, Street Angel Sanchez, is a homeless ninja girl on a skateboard. In between kicking ass and taking sandwiches, she fights bullies, street gangs, ninjas, the man, cocky superheroes, hunger, and the ninja industrial complex. <laughs> she also rescues a stray dog, makes weird new friends, and saves Christmas? This collection includes all the Street Angels, Image Comics, Adventures, plus a couple of extra stories and behind-the-scenes materials. Street Angel is a ton of fun. It kicks ass. It is so good. I love it. Yeah. It's like a grittier teen dog, basically. Uh, sure. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It, Jim Rugg is fantastic at the, like absurdist cartoony stuff like this. Street Angel is so much fun. It's a fantastic read. Pick this up, you jerks. These are just a few of the comics hitting the new shows at your LCS next week. But we want to hear about your must-read picks and your favorite Halloween cocktails. Head to the THN forums and let us know what you're reading, but also let us know what you'd like to hear us review on the show. And don't forget to pre-order all your comics every week. Every once in a while, Joe Patrick and I sit down and read through an entire graphic novel just to prove you kids that we can pay attention for more than 15 minutes. And this week... Is that how long it takes you to read a comic book? 15 minutes? Most of them are like five. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> it's true. This week, we are talking about our close personal friend, Rainbow <laughs> Rowell. Let's, let's not get exaggerated here. Heads. Joe, we were in her wedding. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true, but I have eaten hot dogs inside of her business. Joe Patrick, tell the kids about... That sounded gross. Yeah, really. <laughs> tell the kids about pumpkin heads. All right, this is a graphic novel from First Second. It's written by Rainbow Rowell with art by Faith Aaron Hicks. It's 224 pages for $17.99. Here's your solicit. Deja and Josiah are seasonal best friends. Every autumn, they've worked together at the best pumpkin patch in the whole wide world. Very obviously, Valo's Pumpkin Patch in Omaha, Nebraska. No doubt. They even like they even talk about it in like the in like the back matter. Uh, they say goodbye every Halloween and they're reunited every September first. But this Halloween is different. This is their last season at the pumpkin patch. Oh, Josiah's ready to spend the whole night feeling melancholy about it. Deja isn't ready to let him. She's got a plan. What if instead of moping and instead of the usual slinging lima beans down at the succotash hut, they went out with a bang? They could see all the sights, taste all the snacks, and Josiah could finally talk to that cute girl he's been mooning over for three years. Uh, it is actually available in both hardcover and softcover. Oh, neat. Uh, First Second does that a lot, and I really like that. That's about cool. That's really cool. So, Pumpkinheads. I'm not much for young adult fiction. I'm not, I'm not much for young adults in general. I'm not a young adult. I'm an old man. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. With that said... I enjoyed Pumpkinheads far more than I thought I was going to. And it's because Rainbow Rowell, she is a kind of author that is so good at writing this YA stuff that you don't realize you're reading YA stuff. Well, yeah, that's the best, that's the best stuff, right? Yes. That's the best kind of storytelling where it's like, this is written for a particular audience, yes. but it's written in such a way that other audiences can also appreciate. Right. And like in a, in a way that like I can read this and it takes me back to being, you know, a kid just getting ready to go to college and working at a job in high school and wanting to talk to that cute girl and stuff like I was right there, man. Yeah. You know, and 
Is it a little schlocky? Sure, but tastefully so. You know what I mean? I mean, it's cutesy. Yeah, it's absolutely cutesy, without a doubt. If Faith Aaron Hicks is the artist, she's wonderful. She's so good. Faith Aaron Hicks, uh, her art is deceptively... Yes. Uh, I don't want to say cartoonish, but it's it's lighthearted, mm-hmm. you know, uh... She's almost like a little blocky with their characters, like almost like a Michael Avon Oming type uh, style. Yeah, a little bit, maybe. Um, but I, whenever I think about her, I think about how she drew the uh, the Last of Us prequel comic for Dark Horse, and yeah. that book is tough as nails. That's right. Uh, but yeah, she's so good. She also has like a very Daniel Klaus kind of scope in the way that she cartoons and the way that she sets up panels that are really well put together and detailed, and then other panels that are really tight and really focused to tell the story, especially when they're doing, like, some of Rainbow's pointed kind of schlocky dialogue, which is, you know, it's cute. It's not saying schlocky. It's not schlocky, it's, but it is cute. I mean, there's no question. Well, yeah, it's She's, a young adult graphic novel. And, like, this is mainly talking. It's mainly talking. There's not yeah. a lot of action that goes down in this Right. Book. I mean, it's it's a very low stakes. But you never yeah. get bored. It's fun. The humor is pointed enough and intelligent enough that you'll laugh with it and not at it. Like, it's not an adult trying to sound like a kid. <laughs> I just realized there's a character in the book who's um, dressed all in black and he's wearing a pumpkin mask uh, and you never see his face and he looks just like the uh, dancing pumpkin-headed uh, meme guy. Uh, Daniel w- Pumpkins? Or no, David? not David S. Dave. Pumpkins. Oh. Uh, no, there's like a there's a meme of like a guy in a black leotard wearing a pumpkin, and he's just doing a dance. Uh, and it's from Omaha. It's from uh, the local KXVO station. It was just like an interstitial oh, no that they put in between commercials. Yeah. Uh, yeah, now it's just a famous meme and there's a character in the book that looks yeah. just like it. It also doesn't hurt that we're two Omaha boys who have been to Vallis Pumpkin Patch several yeah, times. Yeah. And this is definitely an open love letter to the crappy pumpkin patch that we all loved as a kid <laughs> and now is so goddamn expensive. You can't get out of there for less than 150 bucks. No thanks. It's crazy. <laughs> no thanks. Uh, what I really liked about this is uh, how easy it it was to read and I don't mean that like it's obviously not challenging material um, but like I don't got a ton of time every day to mm-hmm. sit down and read a graphic novel but the it's divided into chapters that are yeah. just really easy bite-sized chunks yeah uh, so that you could sit down and read a couple chapters put it down I ended up reading the whole thing in like I did too and like the, over the span of a couple hours off and on yeah I think it took um, me about an hour hour and a half yeah if you sit down and read it front to back it's 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 not a long read uh, but it's a it's it's a fun story it's fun it's inclusive it's well written it's and intelligent like you can see where the story is going oh, totally. almost from the beginning no question but it's so charming yeah. That you just want to see them get there. I think that's the word. Okay, instead of schlocky, go back and replace every time I said schlocky with charming. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's just an adorable friendship rom-com kind of thing. The art is great. Um, this is probably geared more towards, I would say, younger high school kids, probably. Yeah. Like middle school to high school kids. But- as we said, it's intelligently written that you'll have no problem. Anyone would have no problem sitting down reading this and enjoying it. It's just a fun book. Oh, uh, Sarah Stern uh, did the colors, and the colors are really well They're done. Gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, it's very autumnal. 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 Oh, let's see what you did there. <laughs> mm. But yeah, pick this up. It's 
sweet. Uh, it's it's really well made. First Second puts out a lot of great young adult graphic novels. They do. They're good at what they do. And uh, and Rainbow Rowell is kind of a huge grab for them. Yeah, I mean, not that's not to say that there aren't other very talented people there, but she is famous. And this, this is her first graphic novel. Yeah. Uh, so huge yeah. props to Rainbow and huge props to and Faith Aaron Hicks. You put together a really pleasant graphic novel Halloween read that you could probably revisit once a year and not get tired of. I really like this. I'm giving it a buy it. It's a buy it from me as well. Of course, we want to know what you thought about Pumpkinheads and what graphic novels you'd like to hear us review on the show. So hit us up this weekend on Cover to Cover and slap us with your reviews and your take a look recommendations. That is it for THN 550, and 551 is going to be so disappointingly unscary, I recommend you don't even listen. Joe, why don't you ask these jerks a new question of the week? This week's question was submitted by Trevor via the THN forums. 2019 seems like the year of finales. Game of Thrones, the Infinity Saga, the Skywalker Saga, the Fox Mutants. It has me wondering, what was the most satisfying ending to a series? Also, what was the least satisfying? And he's talking about everything. Movie, TVs, comics, books, etc. Fair enough. Guys? Great big endings. You've been doing good, but please keep the question of the week suggestions coming. We yeah. do this every week. Shoot them to us on Twitter, Facebook, anywhere. Post you can find forums, us, all right? You know what to do. If you're new to this show and you are thinking about offering our eternal souls to Satan to get us to shut up, I assure you it's only because you haven't heard enough. Good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Speaking of TwoHeadedNerd.com, what do we got going on there, Joe Patrick? Our roving reporter, Ryan Hebrews Mount, has recorded an interview with Sex Castle and Assassination creator Kyle Starks. That is dope. And he's talking about wrestling, superpower basketball teams, <laughs> and his new graphic novel, Old Head, which is on Kickstarter. Now it ends on Saturday. So go to 200nerd.com now, listen to the interview, throw some money at Old Head. It looks great. Totally. And if you haven't thrown all the money you have at Old Head, you could do us a favor and you could throw some at us just like our friend North Dakota's very own Amy B did. Thank you, Amy B. Thank you, Amy B. That's very sweet of you. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to the labels that told us we could use this terrifying metal music, Prosthetic Records, Nuclear War Now, Blood Harvest, and I was hoping Dark Descent would get back to us. <laughs> they haven't yet, but 20 bucks spin? And 20 bucks spin! They are purveyors of terrifying, amazing, extreme metal. And we will have a complete list of everything you heard on the show today. Go throw money at these guys. I am addicted to pre-ordering colored vinyl from all of these. I will definitely not be going back to re-listen to this episode. Until next time, true believers! Remember to pre-order all your comics or your retailer might just come to your house and melt down your limited edition witch vomit buried deep in a bottomless grave LP on swamp green and mint merged silver with black and white splatter vinyl. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.